The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Boy, Merrick Garland is one piece of work, brother. I'm telling you, the Attorney General of the United States, he's a true believer. Uh, I will have audio from him at 1245 on the topic of testimony yesterday in Washington that ISIS-K is maybe six to 12 months away from striking here in the United States. And Merrick Garland, like, he's drawing a blank on that one. Uh, it is my pleasure now, though, to welcome to the show a gentleman who is running for governor in the state of Ohio on the Republican side. His name is Jim Renacci. And Aaron, my mouse is malfunctioning. Would you do me a favor and bring Jim up so that I can greet him and thank him for his time today? Thank you, Jim. Hey, Bruce. How are you? I'm doing very well. Congratulations to you on running and your desire to serve the people of the state of Ohio. Tell me how your campaign is going and how you assess things so far. Well, I think our campaign is going very well. Look, uh, we're a state that's falling behind in every criteria from jobs to new businesses. The only thing we seem to be competing in is, when I say competing, where we're number one at, is drug overdose addiction, child trafficking, and most recently, uh, the Columbus Dispatch said we're number one in um, corruption. So we seem to be doing well in those categories, but when it comes to jobs and and uh, even unemployment, uh, we've got a high unemployment rate, even though there are so many jobs available. So if you look at where Ohio ranks in most rankings, we're anywhere from 46th to 50th in most rankings. And as I travel a state, we talk about those things. People realize it because their kids are leaving. They also realize it because they see, you know, things are closing, downtowns are closing. The only thing that seems to be booming in the entire state is Columbus. And that's because we have a city with uh, 60,000 government jobs and 60,000 Ohio State jobs. So God bless Columbus, but boy, if you go to Steubenville and uh, some of the other towns uh, around this state, uh, you know, Youngstown, Warren, uh, even Akron, uh, you see such a different, different perspective. And then, Bruce, the other thing we talk about is that Ohio has five of the most dangerous cities in the country. A lot of people aren't aware of that. Per capita deaths, uh, Cleveland, Akron, Dayton, Cincinnati, all are in the in the tops um, when it comes to per capita homicide. So um, that's what we talk about. People realize it. They also didn't like the uh, lockdowns and the shutdowns and all the things that the current governor did. So um, the campaign is going very well, and I think people just want to see a change. They're tired of a career politician. They want to see somebody who's created jobs. Um, employed people, signed the front of paychecks, and that's what I try and uh, stress and and tell people. Jim Renacci is our guest. He is running for governor. Mike DeWine, we presume, is going to run for re-election. Also, Joe Blystone has announced his candidacy. Do you have a fear, Jim, that uh, Joe Blystone will take away voters who would gravitate toward you? There's always this thought that if there's a third-party candidate in a general election— that it'll take away from one side or the other. I mean, I think Joe Blystone is a guy whose message would resonate with rural Ohioans. It seems to me like a lot of the things you just emphasized would resonate with rural Ohioans. Uh, do you factor in uh, Joe Blystone as somebody who, uh, you know, is a is a problem for you in getting more votes in a primary against Mike DeWine than if, than if it were just the two of you? 
Well, absolutely. And, and look, I think, uh, and I tell people, you know, Joe Blystone's heart might have been in the right place, but he will give DeWine potentially um, the election because uh, nobody knows him. I mean, he'll say that uh, he, tra- you know, everybody knows him on Facebook. Facebook doesn't win elections. Um, what really wins elections, and the sad thing is, uh, there is a science to it. I wish there wasn't. Uh, but the political science says that 95% of people only vote for somebody they know. Uh, Mike DeWine's name ID clearly is 99.7. Mm-hmm. My name ID is about 63% to 70. And Joe Blystone's is anywhere from 7 to 10%. So um, in the end, nobody's going to vote for somebody they don't know. And, and what they'll do is he will take a small percentage and in a very close race, um, it will end up causing either me to win very close or Mike DeWine to win very close. But uh, God bless him for his efforts. I would agree with you. There's just no way that a uh, first-time candidate in a statewide race with no money, no name ID, no plan, other than I don't like the system, can win. Well, now, I didn't say that. You're putting words in my mouth. I'm just saying I think as a factor in the race, I think it's uh, I think his presence in the race would detract more from you than it would from Mike DeWine. Jim Renese is our guest. He's a Republican candidate for governor in the state of Ohio. Jim, uh, you know, Mike DeWine's been in politics a long time, but there are those who would say, well, so is Jim Renese. You know, he served, I think, four terms in Congress. You've run for Senate. You've been out there a while. Uh, So how do you deal with what I think, in the Republican Party at least, is a skepticism of people who have spent a decade or more in politics? Yeah, well, the difference is I've also spent uh, over four decades in business. I've mm-hmm. created 1,500 jobs, employed 3,000 people, created jobs all around the state, understand what it is to make a payroll, understand what it is to live within the rules of Washington and our state, but also went to Washington for a purpose. You know, my dealership was taken away from me, so I tell most people don't realize that. I didn't go to Washington because I wanted to be a politician. I went to Washington because my Chevy dealership was taken away from me when the Obama administration took over General Motors, and General Motors removed my dealership, 59 employees, and um, $3.5 million of investment taken right away from me, disappeared. And that's what made me go to Washington and fight. But the good thing is I got there, found out how bad Washington is broken, and realized that the only place to fix it is back home. You've got to have strong leaders in Ohio that say no more to the federal government. And we gotta we got to eliminate career politicians. So if somebody wants to say a guy who's been in business for 39 years, created 1,500 jobs and employed 3,000 people, was he even had businesses while he was in Congress and, and invested in business while he was in Congress, is a politician? Well, I guess I'll never change that. But <laughs> in the end, um, sometimes it's better to have somebody who has been in business for four decades almost and at least been in the belly of the beast and understands that you know you got to be able to fix things um, by understanding how it works too so that actually gives me a little bit more credibility than somebody who's never been in it but a business guy um, look I, I would even tell your listeners some of the pitfalls that Donald Trump fell into were because he realized he did not realize that he was going into a a big uh, cesspool of uh, uh, of a swamp, 
And uh, sometimes it's it's best to know how the cesspool works so you don't step in the wrong holes. I think that makes a lot of sense. Jim Renese is our guest. He is a candidate for governor on the Republican side of the ticket. You can find out more about Jim and his candidacy at his website, jimrenacci.com. It's J-I-M-R-E-N-A-C-C-I. His Twitter is at Jim Renese. Uh, let's talk about our General Assembly for a second. You're hard on the governor, and I share your uh, viewpoints that we overreached on um, COVID cutbacks and things of that nature. I'm very disappointed we have a supermajority in the General Assembly. And because it was hard, because we couldn't find common ground, we now seem to have given up on protecting the rights of Ohioans from being separated from their job or mandated to get a vaccine or a mask mandate. What do you think of the General Assembly, and how would you as governor uh, deal with a General Assembly to get them to do what I think needed to be done? If I'm wrong, tell me why I'm wrong. Well, this is one reason why Governor DeWine needs to go, is because he has already come out and said he's going to veto House Bill 248. So he's telling the General Assembly, you bring that bill on, and I'm going to veto it. Well, that's the will of the many of the people, not the will of the donors, which is what Governor DeWine seems to want to do. So I think leadership, you lead from those that elected you, which are the people of the state of Ohio. And I think what he has to realize is there are individual rights in the Constitution, and those need to be protected. Now, I wish our legislature would push it as well. But here's what happens when you have a government, which in in many cases, uh, we have a House, a Senate, and a governor, all of one party. They worry about the conflict between themselves instead of doing what's right. We have many good legislators. We have many good House members and many good senators. But many of them are worried about their jobs. Many of them are worried about the repercussions of Governor DeWine, which I think there shouldn't be repercussions. Your vote should be your vote. Um, So many of them will not push the matter. And they're so fearful that Governor DeWine is going to veto it that then they're going to have to come back and override a veto and then their vote's going to be tested again that he would rather not even put it on the House floor and, and run it run a vote on it. I, I really do believe that's the biggest problem we have, is that too many people worry about their job and forget about the people they represent. And leadership too often, I saw this in Congress, Bruce, is that you know, leadership was afraid to put a bill out on the, on the floor but, because they were afraid it was going to fail. And we, you know what we used to say? Let it fail. Show the people who are voting for it and the people who are voting against it, and then the people can decide later on whether they're going to reelect those people who voted against it. And, they, and the classic line was, we'll lose the majority if we do that too often. Mm. Well, I wrote a book. We lost the majority because we didn't do it enough. We didn't put the test of the will of the people out on the House floor. Yeah, Jim's book is The GOP's Lost Decade, an inside view of why Washington doesn't work. Jim Renacci is our guest. He's running for governor, state of Ohio. And you can find out more at his website, jimrenacci.com. His last name is spelled R-E-N-A-C-C-I. I know one of the problems that you refer to quite often on your Twitter page, which is at Jim Renacci, is the fentanyl that comes in from the southern border, finds its way into Ohio. This is a problem that uh, the border is every state. This is a problem that is killing Americans. It kills extremely innocent Americans. One dose can kill someone. Uh, what can a governor do? What would your agenda be? for an issue like fentanyl, which has already wreaked uh, unspeakable havoc in the state of Ohio? Well, again, number one, one of uh, the things we rank number one in is drug overdose, drug overdose, addiction, death, and depression. All 
not only because of lockdowns and shutdowns, but because of this fentanyl coming across the border. Look, it should be a priority. Our priority right now in Governor DeWine's eyes is vaccination. He's forget he's forgotten about child trafficking. He's forgotten about uh, the fentanyl coming across the border. So when it comes to and, and by the way, we also have five. Think about this: five sanctuary cities in the state of Ohio. So not only when you come across the border and when drugs are coming across the border or when you're bringing it across the border, if you happen to bring it across the border and get to Ohio, you got five cities that become sanctuaries for you. That's a serious problem. The governor should be stepping up and talking about sanctuary cities and saying, which I would do, that there will be no city in the state of Ohio that will be supported by the state that are sanctuary cities. And at the same time, you're exactly right. All states are dealing with this. Some states are dealing with worse. Ohio is one of them. We should be down there helping, not just sending 100, 100 troops down there and saying, well, we're going to do our part. That's that's the political answer by people saying, well, Governor DeWine, you're not doing enough. What's he do? He sends 100 troops down, which isn't really a lot of help. Then he goes down and visits, but doesn't say very much. You have to be vocal. Leaders have to be vocal. Leaders have to say, we are not going to allow this to happen. We are just like the vaccinations. We are not going to allow vaccinations for people who don't want vaccinations. We don't have a leader in Governor DeWine like that. We need a DeSantis type governor, which is what I would tell you I would be when it comes to all of these issues. Jim Renacci is our guest, Republican candidate for governor, state of Ohio. Find out more at his website, jimrenacci.com. Jim, I appreciate your time, and I enjoyed getting to know you better. I hope you'll come back on the show in the future as your campaign continues. Well, thank you very much for having me, and I appreciate it. You have a great rest of your day. Look at us. Bernie Moreno, Senate candidate, Jim Renacci, gubernatorial candidate. I whiffed on the outro there. I said Jim Renacci is a Senate candidate. He's not. He is a gubernatorial candidate. He has been a Senate candidate, but now he is running for governor. I was impressed that he admitted that Joe Blystone being in the race complicates it for him. It's not Joe Blystone's job to uncomplicate it for him. Joe Blystone wants to be governor. He thinks he can be governor. He's got every right to run. By the same token, Jim Renese's not wrong. Joe Blystone does complicate it because they're both trying to appeal, Renese and Blystone, to voters who are not happy with Mike DeWine. I've said before, and I'm more convinced of it now after talking with Joe Blystone and Jim Renacci, Blystone, on this program several weeks ago and Sunday night at Genoa and Jim Renacci just now. Mike DeWine will have a harder time winning the primary of his party than he will winning the general election. Ann Whaley doesn't have a chance in the general election. Not in this state, not with her wacky policies on guns and masks and all those things. Uh, and she's pro, pro-abortion, pro too. Uh, Mike DeWine, he's been elected. He'll be elected again if, if and only if. He can get to the general. I'm not sure he can. Now, big press conference today in Santa Fe, New Mexico, about the shooting of the movie producer on the set of Alec Baldwin's Western Rust. So I got a little bit of information on the movie industry from having dabbled with some friends. Cost is sometimes a big concern on movie sets. Cutting corners wherever you can, whether it's on catering or whether it's on lighting or whether it's on whatever, is good because the more you save, the better your chances of making money. And the producers of the movie are about getting the movie made so that the people who've invested in the movie make a profit. So why you say, why in the world would they have a real gun on the set? 
instead of a prop gun, instead of going through all the channels and all the different protocols to keep everyone safe? Well, because probably easy to get a hold of a regular gun and put ammo in it. Sounds like a real gun, because it is a real gun. So this might be what comes out at trial. They did say today that a crime has been committed and that uh, people are going to be charged. Uh, It was a Colt revolver that fired the shot. And they also found on the set 500 rounds of ammunition including a mixture of blanks, dummy rounds, and what the Sheriff's Department believes to be live ammunition. Additional live rounds of ammunition. That's not good. So that's what's up with the Alec Baldwin thing. Now, in Washington today, before the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, Attorney General in name only, because that's the chief law enforcement officer, and Merrick Garland has already shown he has no interest in observing the tenets of uh, fair law enforcement, the chief law enforcement officer of the United States, The Attorney General Merrick Garland is appearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee answering questions on an assortment of topics. Uh, Targeting, school board, parents, those who speak at school board meetings. He admitted last week that he's doing that only because he got a letter from the National Association of School Boards. That letter has since been rescinded, but is he going to back off on his investigation? No. He made that clear today. No. But this was the classic Merrick Garland is off the reservation when it comes to paying attention. Yesterday in Washington, the third highest ranking official at the Pentagon said that ISIS-K and Al-Qaeda have the capacity to strike in the United States in between 6 to 12 months. 6 to 12 months. So right about the time of the midterm elections, not rooting for it, just saying that could be an interesting timeline. Six to 12 months they could strike. So today, Lindsey Graham decided he would ask Merrick Garland why what they said was going to be two years or why, since we went uh, 20 years since 9-11 without any attacks on our soil, why is that going to happen uh, Mr. again? Mr. Kale said... While ISIS-K poses more of a short-term external threat, Al-Qaeda could regain the ability to launch attacks outside of Afghanistan within a year or two. Do you agree with that? I, I, I agree that Al-Qaeda has always presented and continues to present a persistent threat to the United States homeland. Well, no, we but the question agree. is... Did you notice what he did there? He tried to say, oh, they've always been a threat. Not anything we did. What's changed... You say always. Has any recent event changed the likelihood of an attack? I don't know. um, You don't know that we withdrew from Afghanistan? I know we withdrew. I don't know whether the withdrawal will increase the risk from al-Qaeda or not. Really? You don't know? Gee, will al-Qaeda have a better chance of attacking us if we have, like, Bagram Air Force Base and a bunch of troops over there and we're watching every move? Or will they have a better chance of attacking us if we, like, bug out and leave and have no way of monitoring it. And Merrick Garland doesn't know. Man, he must be a tremendous, tremendous investigator. Barney Fife would know the answer, but Merrick Garland does not.